Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. As always, the podcast is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. Check out whatmatrix.com for a full feature-by-feature breakdown of all application layering products. And now for some news. Today's the day. Microsoft have launched the public preview of Windows Virtual Desktop. I've covered WVD quite a bit on the podcast over the last few months. This is Microsoft's virtual desktop offering in Azure. Microsoft Build WVD is the only service that delivers simplified management and a multi-session Windows 10 experience optimizations for Office 365 Pro Plus and support for Windows Server RDS desktops and apps. The announcement came during an Ignite on Tour event in the Netherlands. As mentioned on the podcast before, Microsoft will offer Windows 7 security updates extended to WVD customers to help ease the transition to Windows 10. And now, going further than this, today it was announced that WVD customers will also be able to access Windows 7 virtual desktops in the service in future. That's a very interesting development. In order to deploy WVD and manage your virtualization environment, you just need to set up an Azure subscription. You could choose the type of virtual machines and storage you want to use that suit your environment. You can optimize costs by taking advantage of reserved instances and by using multi-session Windows 10. For users accessing the Windows 10 and Windows 7 desktops and apps, there is no additional cost if you're an existing Microsoft 365 F1 E3 E5 customer, a Windows 10 Enterprise E3 E5 customer, or Windows VDA customer. And for those Windows Server desktops and apps customers out there, there is no additional cost if you're an existing Microsoft RDS Client Access License customer, or as it's popularly known, Cal. There's a pretty comprehensive WV doc that's complete with how-tos that can help you get started. I'll include a link with this episode, which is episode 64, under resource links on 5bytespodcast.com. Also mentioned in the Microsoft official preview launch is FSLogix. Finally, we got a glimpse at where they are going with, with a favorite of VUC techies out there. From reading James Rankin's accompanying blog post, it looks like the entire FSLogic suite is now available to all Microsoft customers who have F1, E3, and E5 entitlements, and even available to those Microsoft 365 customers or RDS Cal customers, which is really, really interesting. At first, when I read James's article, I looked at Microsoft's official article and It listed those entitlements in relation to WVD, but didn't specifically call them out for FSLogix use. I did a little bit of research and I saw via Twitter from handle K-O-O-S-Y-D, a picture of a slide taken at the Ignite event. It does indeed show that FSLogix is available to those customers with that type of licensing. Also very interesting, it listed that all FSLogix product suite will be available to existing Microsoft customers. James's article notes that the dedicated Office 365 container is no more, and it's just going to be bundled with the profile containers. And in terms of the actual license entitlement, RDS program lead Scott Manchester confirmed the licensing entitlements on Twitter. 
Citrix ETP Jason Samuel shared a link to a public download of FSLogix version 2.9.9, which appears to be open to the public, and even contains a license file. I'm waiting to hear back from my Microsoft rep on the correct way to consume this with our RDS Cal licenses. If you're interested in how this can integrate with your existing UEM products, FSLogix's own Christian Brinkhoff shared an awesome blog post on how to integrate FSLogix with some of your existing UEM tools, including VMware's UEM tool and Citrix's WEM tool. Definitely check that article out. And for their part, I noticed that Citrix posted an article today around the WVD launch and included a video demo of the Citrix workspace experience supporting WVD. The video shows consuming WVD through Citrix Workspace, and one can assume you'll also be able to access your applications from the Windows 10 multi-user desktop delivered via Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops, or indeed Citrix Workspaces. At NVIDIA's GTC 2019 conference this week, they showcased a new product called Gaucan. G-A-U-G-A-N, because I probably butchered the pronunciation. This product has to be seen to be believed. You'll want to check out the YouTube version of the podcast this week to see it in action. Holy hell. In the video for this, if you're listening on the audio-only version, the product allows users to input a drawing. The drawings being inputted in the demo look pretty rough. They're pretty crude. It's just like a doodle, really. The software then automatically transforms the image into an incredibly rich, realistic version of that image. Using NVIDIA's neural networks, the tool has a source of over 1 million images from Flickr. The product also has some really cool built-in intelligence, so if two users happen to draw the same image, the software has the sense to ensure both images are made unique by pulling unique images from their source. It's absolutely bananas. A TechCrunch.com article suggests it's like MS Paint for the artificial intelligence age. Pretty cool way of describing that. TheStreet.com posted a really cool summary of NVIDIA GTC 2019. Usually in the past, I do a debrief of tech conferences on the podcast for the week that they happened. Those tend to run very long, so I'm not going to do that this time. The article I reference suggests that NVIDIA put a strong emphasis at the conference on driving growth with enterprise customers, which in my opinion is smart. With so many on the brink of rolling out Windows 10, and soon, Server 2016 and Server 2019, for both just their general application and possibly EUC needs, vGPU will become more and more important. Forbes.com posted an interesting tidbit about the latest version of Chrome, which I missed and didn't cover in my last couple of episodes when I previewed Chrome. DuckDuckGo has been added to the list of available default search engines. The option is only available in 60 countries, but that does include the UK and US. ThreatPost.com have reported on some high-severity flaws in Cisco IP phones. The most serious vulnerabilities in Cisco 8800 series IP phones could allow unauthenticated remote attackers to conduct a cross-site request forgery attack or write arbitrary files to the file system. Cisco is urging customers to update several models of their IP phones and issued a patch for five high-severity flaws a little earlier this week. You'll want to check out Cisco's article for a full list of the IP phones that are affected, and if you are affected, patch, patch, patch. The Register has reported that Intel has released what they are calling Chipzilla's March Patch Dump. Now that is, <laughs> that is what the Register is calling it, not necessarily Intel. 
The patches fix 19 vulnerabilities in Intel's graphics drivers for Windows. The most serious flaws, according to Intel, are addressed in updates CVE 2018-12214 and CVE 2018-12216. And in both cases, in the kernel mode driver, attackers could have exploited the drivers to gain access, but that would require the attacker to have privileged access in order to exploit it, which isn't very likely, but still you want to patch ASAP. Lawrence Van Duen, sorry if I butchered your name, on Twitter warned users against upgrading to VMware App Volumes 216 yet just yet. He reported that after he upgraded to that version, certificates and some created app stacks were missing in the management console. The app stacks themselves stayed mounted, but were just not visible in the manager console. The fix in his case was re-imaging the host system and redeploying app volumes. By the sounds of things, it shouldn't be an issue if you're setting up app volumes 216 net new. So if you haven't had app volumes, you're not doing an in-place upgrade, you should be okay, but if you're doing an upgrade, you might want to tread lightly. Tim Mangan posted an interesting article about short names for us packagers out there. It's a pretty insightful article. The most interesting point to me is the fact that MSIX does not capture or deliver short names. I didn't notice this myself in my own testing. Why this is significant is that this may cause issues with certain older packages. I can remember old versions of Mozilla Firefox, for example, using short names for the install directory. At this time, Tim suggests there are no known general solutions. Speaking of MSIX, on last week's episode, I mentioned the release of a new preview version of the MSIX packaging tool. This week, I happened across an interesting community tool that is completely free and open source. It's called MSIX Commander, and it's based on PowerShell and WPF and XAML. You could do things like install MSIX packages, uninstall MSIX packages, install multiple MSIX packages, create a self-signed code signing certificate, install that self-signed code signing certificate, and do things that are kind of a pain in the butt to do manually. You could do that and much more. You want to check that out. If you haven't used MSIX yet and you're curious about it, I suggest getting this tool and the MSIX packaging tool. This week, Microsoft released a PowerShell script that could be used to optimize Windows 10 Enterprise version 18.03 for use in a VDI environment. The script goes through and performs some of the following actions, including removing non-essential UWP apps, disabling some, some services, sets some default user settings, disables several scheduled tasks, runs disk cleanup using the disk cleanup wizard, changes network interface controller settings to optimize for networking performance, and more. The 2019 VDI Like a Pro End User Computing State of the Union for 2019 survey, which is a mouthful, is now open. If you have 10 minutes to spare, please contribute to a really useful community project. Please complete this survey, and I will provide a link to this with this episode, which again is episode 64, on 5bytespodcast.com under resource links. And now for this week's weekly webinar. On March 27th, Microsoft will be holding a joint partner webinar with F5 on how you can securely migrate to Azure using F5. Obviously, a lot of large enterprise customers are F5 customers, and not everybody has made the jump to Azure. So if you fit the description of somebody trying to migrate some loads to Azure and you're an F5 customer, this one could be for you. This will be a 30-minute webinar, and it will be held at 10 a.m. Pacific again on March 27th.
And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. Once again this week, I'm featuring two tips. And one of them is actually a tool. First up, Master Packager released a completely free version of their product. Now, I only just briefly checked it out, so I don't have any real insight to share other than the UI is pretty nice and it's a damn sight more user-friendly than Orca. So, if Orca is your go-to quick MSI editor, this is definitely worth a look. This could replace Instead as my quick go-to MSI editing tool. Instead, while I still enjoy it, has not been actively developed in some years. My other tip is to check out Martin's article at citrixlab.dk where he shared a very simple step-by-step how-to guide that shows going through the setup of Visual Studio Code, GitHub, and how to use a code signing certificate. So if you do some scripting, either for work and maybe have a private repo, or if you just do it in your day-to-day and share it publicly with GitHub and you want to implement some version control, definitely check out this article. It's full of useful instructions on how to achieve just that. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you guys so much for listening.